Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Did you, America? Welcome to another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Canfield. We are in season two. This is episode... Oh, I don't know, man. Anyone who listens in uh, anything approaching real time, uh, we're a day late, but not really. Three-day weekend, right? Yeah, Memorial Day. Let me ask you this, because this uh, was a conversation I had with uh, someone in Shitsville. That's what I call the UK, by the way, for anyone who's new to the show. I come from there. Therefore, I'm perfectly entitled to call it shitsville i have that perspective wait you're from england well don't uncover the truth that it's all basically a farce and if i spoke in my real accent you'd know that i'm from alabama (laughs) you're just an incredible actor i don't want to show off my real deep south identity (laughs) i feel like i always say this a southern english accent is just an australian accent so would it be like that, or are you full on like, well, howdy there? A southern English accent? Would you mean southern England or southern... No, like a southern version of an English accent is Australian. Um, like if you add the, the twanginess of the American South to a classy English accent, you get like, oh, I cranky, mate, you know, as opposed to like, oh, cheerio. Uh... Are you suggesting that the correlation here is that people from the deep south of America and Australians in general are slightly more simple than people no, who live in other parts of their respective all, countries? Because I am not simple as someone from that part of the country. Well, I'm no, saying, this isn't the South South, is it? This is Texas. I also have I know years te- of Judaism protecting me I know, from that. I, I, know, I, know, I know Texas is geographically in the South, but it doesn't matter the geography because Texas is Texas, right? I, for sure. I just think there's something about being below below the equator that does something to your voice and because in my opinion anything east of america sounds like you the southern version of that would be what they sound like in australia um maybe no fact okay that's today's first fact everybody this show's like an education there ain't you go. it i wanted to, to ask you because this was a conversation that i was having on text with someone from shitsville um so they text me yesterday being memorial day happy memorial day and then they followed that up with a text before i replied saying isn't it a bit strange to use the word happy in the context of happy memorial day and i thought to myself I hadn't considered that before, but as I flipped around the local TV networks, Happy Memorial Day was the greeting that I got before every weather forecast, and I thought maybe my friend in Shitsville has a valid point. What say you, Jeremy, bona fide American from the South? I say screw that opinion. Yes, we're doing it for the troops, but Memorial Day has become a lot about so much more than that. It's about having an extra day right at the start of summer to get blackout drunk and there you should always be happy about but while you were doing that you were remembering the troops i did it for the troops all weekend absolutely (laughs) i i told you that uh i went out friday saturday and sunday night i got a very great text from my boss sunday uh around 3 p.m he was like hey just so you know like you don't have to come in early in the morning on monday you know you can work from home and you were like it's sunday i last time i slept it was friday little did he know i was already (laughs) out and fully drunk at that point but i uh so i went out sunday in uh deep elm we went to bottled blonde a bunch of the other bars in that area it was a good time the drinks were flowing though and it got to a point where i'm out with a, a a friend two friends of mine they're a couple and at one point, I look over at my friend's wife, and you know, she's 
she was having a great time. She was fun all all week, all night, all day. Then all of a sudden, something hit her, and like she just hit a, another level. And as we're walking into the other bar, my friend turns to me. He's like, "Hey, man, I I have to take her home." But I I wasn't ready to end my night, so I was like, "Screw it! I'm out in Dallas. My car's tucked away for the night. I'm keeping it going. I don't have to be up for work early in the morning." So I go to the next bar, keep drinking. Then all of a sudden, it's coming to like one in the morning. Have you lost your shoes by this point? Honestly, I'm surprised I had anything at this point. I was (laughs) completely naked walking through the streets. But no, seriously, you do have your shoes, so you're still doing better than that very drunken night in Austin. Absolutely. Well, New Orleans, that (laughs) one. Okay. I uh, so, but then I, I, you know, I'm at the point now where I can decide: Do I get an Uber home? Or do I go get one last drink? So, you know, I look at the two bars in front of me. Both those, the lines are too long. I find one bar that the line is kind of moving quickly, and they're just pouring people in. So I hop on that. Within five minutes, I'm inside. And all of a sudden, I realize that this venue I stumbled into is having a rap concert. The rapper Tory Lanez is performing. It's one in the morning. He's nowhere to be found, but they're promoting it like he's going to come on stage eventually. So is he the Axl Rose of rap timekeeping? Apparently, <laughs> because I my night became a blur around 2, 2.30. I don't remember ever seeing Tory Lanez. Right. Ignore that call, sir. My story is way more important it's than Tory this. Lanez. He said he's about to go on. He's like, don't talk about this. <laughs> he's like, oh shit, is it not Memorial Day anymore? More? Am I a bit late? So I walk up. To I actually did stop this ringing, but it's still ringing. It's just going I don't non-stop. know. I disengage. I disengage this on my phone, and somehow it's ringing on my computer. I don't know. How, neither of us are tech geniuses. This computer is, stop. Th- it didn't work. No. See, when things like this happen, oh, it stops. Oh, Maybe God. it did. Did work. I do that? Car. I didn't realize I could talk to my MacBook like it was Siri. That was genius. I'm I'm a genius. I told we went over this in a previous podcast. I am now a tech genius, and the world of technology is accepting. When me. things happen, like I thought I switched the ringer off on my phone, and I uh, press the button to say I don't want to take the call on my phone, but it still keeps ringing on my laptop, and I don't know how to stop it. When things like that happen, I think. It was no wonder we did two months of this podcast without realizing the microphones weren't plugged in. <laughs> I, so that same friend I was out with on Saturday, she was telling me, she's like, yeah, the last few episodes, they've been really good. You guys are getting the hang of it. It sounds so much better than like the first two months of episodes. I was like, oh yeah, no, we didn't have the microphones plugged in. We went like eight episodes. Do you remember? We were like getting close to the mic. We were basically talking with the microphones in our mouths. Like, why is this not affecting the sound? And then one day, one of us looked down and just realized neither of us ever thought to actually plug the microphones in. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that's absolutely true. So anyway, <laughs> she said that. She gave us a great critique of the podcast. Then she fell over drunk and had to go home. Exactly. And you've now stumbled onto a right. rap show, which at 1 a.m. still hasn't begun. So I get to um, I get to the counter. I'm like, hey, you know, I noticed there's two separate parts to this venue. There's like the open bar part, and then there's a doorway, and a room where they're packing people in. I guess like that's where the show's got to be. I was kind of thinking like, hey, you know, I can stand out in this part. There's so many people here that like, I can probably not pay for a ticket and get in. Mm-hmm. But you know, okay, I went to the counter. I was like, how much is a the ticket? They said $100, which is absurd. A, for a Tory Lanez concert. B, for the fact that I could have heard the whole concert from the room, not while paying $100. Was it, was it $100 in cash? Is Tory Lane one of these rappers that has to be paid in with like a suitcase full, well, full I, of, I can full tell of you dollar this bills? I did end up paying cash, but not to the ticket counter. I went to where the back door was. I found the bodyguard, befriended him a little bit, and pulled the coolest move ever. I was like, hey. I slip you 40 bucks cash. Me and only me. I slip in through this door. The guy was like, I don't give a fuck. Come right through. <laughs> so now I'm in the room. I, again, at this point, I am way too hammered. I should have been home hours ago. But now I'm stumbling through, making friends with people having bottle service. They're giving me God knows what. But at that point, the night became a blur. And I remember waking up in my bed the next morning like, huh. How'd we get here? You went from a 40% negotiated discount on the door from some bouncer to getting ball service with friends you just made at a show you didn't know was happening, and you were so drunk, even now, 
24 plus hours later, you're still not even sure if the show happened while you were in the room. I woke up with like an excruciating pain in my calf. And at first I thought like, oh, I'm dehydrated because I drank so much. It's a cramp. But it didn't go away for the entire day. And I was drinking water. I was fine by the next morning. But the the leg pain was still there. Now I'm thinking like, who did I get into a, 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 a thigh fight with? <laughs> That person calling, that's the venue. Uh, is Mr. Hoffman with you? We have a bar tab of uh, $1,500 oh, that God. he needs let's, to pay off. Let's hope I wasn't the one that bought that <laughs> bottle. I remember chugging from a bottle, but I also remember someone else handing me that bottle. <laughs> so my uh, Memorial Day weekend was way more sedate because I was uh, working throughout all of it. And I was uh, working Nerd. on a, on a, well, you know, you've got to work when you can. Um I was working on a sports show yesterday and um, nothing against the people on this sports show because I work on their show quite often and, uh, you know, I like them a lot. And uh, not that we hang out outside of the sports show. In fact, they don't do the show from the studio. They do it from home down the line. But someone brought up something on the sports show yesterday and it just suddenly occurred to me, well, I can't be friends with these people on the show. Oh, no. and, and not just them. I thought there's certain parameters here where I'm like, I don't know if I can be friends with 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 people who don't possess this this information. And and I was thinking about this. Do I have this information? You do have this information. Oh, can you name me two Led Zeppelin songs? Absolutely. Do you want me to? Can you name me three? Ramble on. Thank you. Stairway to heaven. Stop right there. So here's my point. And, you know, people often have discussions about how they uh, fall out with uh, friends and family members over politics. And I think that's become a thing more so in recent times. I think that's ridiculous. Um, some people, some people consider me to be very slightly conservative. They consider me to be very slightly on the right side of the political wing. Huh. Right. You don't say. <laughs> and yet... Most of my friends, most of my social circle are fucking diehard liberals. But no, seriously, they are. And, uh, you know, we discuss politics sometimes and we agree to disagree. And most of the time we don't discuss politics and it's fine. I'm slightly right of center, it could be said. And yet, most people in my social circle are not like that. So, first of all, I don't subscribe to the idea that you can't be friends with people who have different political opinions. However, I do 100% say... I can't be friends with someone who can't name more than one Led Zeppelin song other than Stairway to Heaven. Wow, not one. We were doing a segment on the sports show yesterday. Um, it was gonna, it would have been John Bonham's birthday, the drummer from right. Led Zeppelin, right? Now, not knowing who John Bonham is, I'm fine with that. I'm not expecting any deep cut knowledge or for everyone in my social circle to have read the Led Zeppelin biography. So when someone on the show said, John Bonham Bon Jovi, Oh, I was no. like, I think they were joking. Well, they definitely didn't know who John Bonham was, they but they did, would know they were joking about bringing Bon Jovi okay, into okay. it. All right. So like, I was fine with that. And uh, the person who wanted to bring this up, who obviously was very familiar with Led Zeppelin, wanted to do a whole bit on the fact that it would have been John Bonham's birthday, but it w he wasn't alive to celebrate it because on one day in 1980, he got up and did 16 shots of vodka for breakfast, and that, was, that literally was his breakfast, and then went on to drink a lot more and do a lot more unhealthy things, and that turned out to be the day that he died. Wait, but this is what I did on Sunday. <laughs> well, don't die before I've got to the end of the story. It's good. <gasps> So, um, there, and the person on the show uh, says to the, uh, the, the, the two main hosts of the show, now, I know you're both only 19 years of age, but you know Led Zeppelin, right? And one of the people on the show went, are they one of those bands that use instruments? <laughs> what are those? <laughs> and then um, the, main, the, main, the bloke who brought up the, the John Bonham thing was like, okay, well, you don't know who John Bonham is. John Bonham Bon Jovi. And, uh, but you know Led Zeppelin, right? And one of the other hosts goes, uh, Stairway to Heaven? <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. And I, and I said, I don't like where this is going because you're going to get off the Led Zeppelin topic way too soon and not enable me to tell the story of the time I drunkenly sang to Robert Plant in the back of a cab. Whoa. And, okay. then, and then there was silence and then I went, 
For that to be interesting, you have to know he was the singer. Fuck, none of this works. <laughs> this is why I can't be friends with people. And, and then, so then they went, yeah, stairway to heaven, right? And then the person who brought up the Led Zeppelin bit as content said jokingly, you're probably going to tell me the second Led Zeppelin song you know is Freebird. Silence. Didn't get the joke. Oh, no. Didn't get the joke. I, you know what? I have to defend my generation, the millennials here a little bit. For any millennial who didn't have good parents, all their classic rock knowledge comes from Guitar Hero. Right. So clearly these two guys just didn't have good parents. Oh, damn. See, this is where we needed you on the show because I You're think it, it would have been a really good end because it was the final segment on the show. It would have been a really good end to the show if I brought their parents into it and started going, well, I just think you were raised badly. I had wonderful parenting, hence my vast classic not rock knowledge. I Well, I mean, yeah, but to be fair, as much as I tell stories about how crazy and outrageous my dad is I will say that he did a very good job raising me with great classic rock knowledge because I he loved Led Zeppelin for as long as I can remember I've known who Led Zeppelin are uh, also this might be something very specific to my dad though uh, so I, I, I'm very grateful for the classic rock music and knowledge that he immersed me in from the time that I was old enough to know what music was and take in the stories I do remember from a very very early age Although I loved all rock that my dad played, I became, and this must have been the influence of my dad, fascinated with all of the musicians who'd died. Oh, of course. Like, I wouldn't have known what 16 shots of vodka for breakfast meant, but I knew, like, those words had been imprinted on my brain as that's how the, the, the drummer from Led Zeppelin died. There was also another guy... Um, from a band called the Yardbirds that uh, I was fixated with because my dad told me that he died by electrocuting himself playing guitar in the bath. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> right. I, see, I think that I learned about death through rock and roll. I'm pretty sure that my dad put on Queen's greatest hits in the car, put his arm around me and said, son, let me tell you about AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> At five. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I, 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 I wonder if that's a good rule for life. And again, I like being on these people's show. They do a great show. I enjoy it very much. And they don't want to hang out with me anyway. But if they suggested at some point in the future that we should go somewhere and do something external to work, I would just think to myself, you don't know any song by Led Zeppelin except Stay Away to Heaven, and you're still not sure if Freebird is in their back catalogue. No. See, I'm a little disappointed because, you know, you've told me about these guys, and I've always felt like I would be best friends with them, given our, you know, many similarities and what we enjoy to do outside of work. But, you know, you said you need your, you don't mind if your friends don't know who John Bonham is. If I, all my friends not only need to know who John Bonham is, they need to know who his son Jason Bonham is. I need the whole history. And if you don't know, get the hell out of my life. And if you don't know any members of the band because you only know the one song, which by the way is the song that the singer hates, if you don't know who the singer is, you're not going to be entertained by the story that I once sang to him when I was drunk in the back of a cab. Do you know who will be entertained by that story? Me. I would <laughs> so, be very entertained by that this story. This was just basically a roundabout way of me going, I want to tell this story because I didn't get to do it on the radio <laughs> yesterday. Like, so, yeah, we. so Robert Plant uh, has got a house, I presume he's got houses all over the place, um, but he had one in London, um, literally down the hill from where my flat was in London. And we've discussed this area before. It's a, a, a part of North London where a lot of celebrities um, live. And um, he had a solo album that came out and friends of mine were doing the promotion for it. And I can't remember why, but I think they'd done a day of promotion with him and they went out for a drink afterwards. So they texted me and were like, hey, we're in the so-and-so pub with Robert Plant. Come hang out. He's getting really drunk. <laughs> so I was like, and this is in, time, in my yeah. drinking days. And um, I, uh, I remember going and meeting him and like hanging out. And I'd, I've done interviews and stuff with Robert Plant before, but he wasn't someone that, that, that I knew. So, you know, we're having like fun hanging out and everything. And, and no one's kind of fanboying or fangirling over him particularly. He's just like, he's a guy who's fun to get drunk with. You yeah. know, he's drinking pints, talking about soccer and stuff like that. And uh, anyway, several hours later after being in the pub, we're uh, getting cars to go home. And as I said, Robert Plant's house in London is down the hill from where my house is. 
So we're sharing a cab together. And uh, by this point, because I've deliberately avoided any conversation about Led Zeppelin, because if you've seen any interviews with Robert Plant, even when he's like, like in work mode being an interviewee, he doesn't want to talk about Led Zeppelin then, let alone if he's getting pissed in a pub, it's right? It's really the one thing he won't talk about. I mean, talk to him about Wolverhampton Wanderers, that's his local soccer team, <laughs> all day, and like couldn't be happier. Yeah, the one thing anyone wants to talk to him about, of course, is Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, just not interested. So, but, but so this is my defense i think having spent several hours in the pub with the singer from led zeppelin avoiding talking about anything led zeppelin related because that's what he would want i've now thought i've made a new friend just some random person i'm ride sharing with on the way home right and the fact that i've had like 25 jack and cokes may have also sort of erased right the, right, the fact that There's i'm a in, level I'm, of blur in right you. yeah yeah not blur if right. it was blur i embarrassed no myself in front of it would have been fine because I'd have gone fuck off Damon anyone can go woohoo watch me do it so um and actually I'm not even now I remember this story I'm not even sure I've got the artist right it did wait what because of, of who I sang no I'm definitely with Robert Plant okay. I wasn't that track yeah wait. I was like I was like and I'm in the cab and then suddenly I realise it's some old transvestite and I haven't <laughs> been with Robert Plant the whole night I was hanging out with a literal plant <laughs> and the transvestite said Robert who I thought we were going back to your house <laughs> No, I was very much with Robert Plant. The, the confusion with the artist was, um, did Kenny Rogers sing that? It was he the one that had the psychedelic? Yes, before he became a country the star. The cut dropped in to see what condition my condition That's was. It. That's right. Kenny Rogers. Okay, so I wasn't that drunk. So this is the story. So I'm in the back of the cab with Robert Plant, right? Only I've almost forgotten it's Robert Plant because I've had 25 Jack and Cokes and I've spent several hours with him prior to this, avoiding talking to him about the fact he's Robert Plant because he doesn't want to do that. And the alcohol is making him starting a bit to look like Kenny Rogers. No. We're in a cab, and the cab driver's got this... We're in Shitsville, right? We're right. in London. has got this radio station on, right? There's a radio station there called Magic. It's what all cab drivers listen to. It's like relaxing music in the evening, right? Okay. And late-night Magic, like roll out some chilled out songs sometimes you get some real nuggets in there right and they uh start playing um kenny rogers right not the conditions this is how drunk i am not the checked out checked in condition song they're playing the song about the guy in the wheelchair who's going to kill his wife if she goes and fuck someone else oh, even that, that even one. that do you know that one the I, uh i basically know the gambler and the acid one. no 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 you know the 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 rude Ruby, don't take your love to town. Do you know that, that one? one? Sure. No. No. Yeah, I don't know it. Maybe it was just a hit. It's a, I'm sure it's, it's called it's called it. it's called Ruby. Don't take your love to town, and it's about a man whose legs are bent and paralyzed. I'm quoting the lyrics here, um, and uh, I'll give you the lyrics. So basically, it's a man who's very upset that his wife, who's really hot, is going to go to town and basically pull someone to have sex with that evening because her husband, who's back from the war, struggles to do the business now because he's been wounded in the war. The actual lyrics go, um, I know it's hard to love a man whose legs are bent and paralyzed, but the wants and the needs of a woman your age, Ruby, I realize. That is exactly the lyrics. Right. Lyrics that everyone can relate to. So the whole song, and by the way, I can't believe that this song hasn't been me tooed. It's a, it's a man who is saying, I'm struggling with the idea that because I'm struggling to perform downstairs after being wounded in the war, my wife, who's really hot, is going to go out for the evening and go shag someone else, right? Now, that is probably a good topic for a song. The bit where it gets me tooed is where Kenny Rogers, in the final verse, playing the character of the guy whose legs are bent and paralyzed... I'm just quoting the lyrics. You got it. In the final verb. By the way, we'll come back for Rob Plant in a second. I'm, just, I'm educating you on Kenny Rogers. Imagine if I'd have done this on the sports station yesterday. They'd be like, fuck me. We, the best episode we, ever. we started with Led Zeppelin and we only know Stay Away Heaven. And now he's talking about some Me Too song that Kenny Rogers did about a cripple. Um, so, so anyway, um, the final verse, this is why it should be Me Too'd, right? 
the, the character played by Kenny Rogers basically says that if Ruby does take her love to town, he's going to kill her before she gets to the door. Oh. The final line of that song is, Ruby, for God's sakes, turn around. Which is basically him going, if you walk out that door, I'm going to shoot you. Dead. Oh, no. Right. Anyway. So how does this relate to Robert Plant? That song is on Mellow Magic in the cab. Okay. Right. And so Ruby, don't take your love to towns on. And I go, oh, Kenny Rogers. And he says something like, oh, you know, the gambler, blah, 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 blah. I think this is also around the time he was getting into his country phase. Remember he did all that Alison Krauss right, stuff, right? right? So he's happy to talk about music as long as it's country. At which point I go, oh, no, 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 not the gambler. The best song was he did that. I've just checked in to see what condition my condition was in. And I can't remember all the words now because I'm sober. But when I was drunk, I thought I had a much better grasp of the song and start like recounting the whole thing. Oh, no, you didn't just do the chorus. You went like I, verse for verse. I mean, about as with as much detail as I just recited the story of Ruby, don't take oh, your wow. love to town to you. But singing and probably horribly off key and then suddenly i had this very sober moment because robert plant you sit opposite people in the black black taxis in london is just looking at me going without saying it what the fuck are you doing and suddenly i went oh fuck i'm singing to the singer of led zeppelin (laughs) buddy I do the singing here. <laughs> there is only two things that could have been worse for that. One is if like a rap song came on and over the beat you started freestyling and then went to Robert Plant and was like, you hit it. <laughs> or if Stairway to Heaven came on like, and you right, said, Robert. let's hear it, Robert. Robert, come on. All right, okay. I, I should have gone, all right, you're not the biggest fan of I just checked in to see what condition my condition was in. We're almost home. Let's just try one more. There's a lady who sure <laughs> all that glitters in gold's gold, and she's <laughs> and Robert Plant. No, no, Robert, and she's Just quietly standing in the back <laughs> with his arms crossed. You turn into Simon Cow. You're like, you know, your version really wasn't that good. <laughs> Someone on the sports show yesterday said, and that's why you didn't get to take Robert Plant home to your house that night. <laughs> and I went. That's a really good line, considering you don't even know who he is. Right. (laughs) By the way... Little do you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If he knew that the only song you know of his band was Stairway to Heaven, he wouldn't have even got in the cab with you. Actually, no, he would. That's the one person he gets in the cab with. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're only going to want to hear about my new music? Let's do this. Um, anyway, I stand by my point. How has Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town not been me too? That's the entire point of this en- entire first part of the podcast. I mean, that, and, and also, like, the end of the song. So it's sung. Kenny Rogers, oh, Ruby, bow, bow, don't take your love to town. But the last line. Excuse di- the very Robert Plant-like look I'm giving you right now. <laughs> the last line. He doesn't even sing it. He says it menacingly. He goes, for God's sake, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how it ends. It's oh so threatening. God. I want just that as my ringtone. Oh, remember ringtones? I remember the, uh, <laughs> I reckon the, um, <laughs> the record label probably heard it and were like, all right, you know the bit where you load the gun at the end? Can we take that bit off? That's maybe going a little bit. That's basically what he's saying. If he's she like, walks out le- that door. <laughs> you leave the gun bitter, I walk. <laughs> All right. Um, by the way, there's a ton of music news we need to get to, so we'll deal with that in part two. First, let's do a roundup of Song of the Week. New York producer, Stop Making This Hurt by Bleachers. That was his choice. 29% of the vote. Jeremy had Stunner Man by Birdman featuring Lil Wayne and Roddy Rich with 14% of the vote. Crushing it. And uh, Mr. Bungle, I chose uh, Loss of Control was their song, cover of Van Halen. Uh, They win with 57% of the vote. Thanks if you voted for last week's Song of the Week. Uh, We will have three new songs for you to vote for across the next seven days, and we'll get to those in part two of Did You America. For God's sakes, turn around. It's honestly, I I didn't even make it in medicine enough. I'm going to do that again. For God's sakes, 
Turn around. All right, welcome back to uh, part two of Did You America? Jeremy and I off air were just discussing whether or not Kenny Rogers is dead. We've agreed yes, but we're disagreeing as to whether he died of COVID. I say yes. No, I'm telling he was one of those people who was about 190 and he just died of old age. That it just doesn't happened mean that he didn't die of COVID. No, it just happened to be during the time of COVID. Yeah, but so you're saying that it was during that like first month where like anyone who died, they're like, well, clearly it's COVID, but we can't get into hospitals, so we don't know. Uh, I, Kenny Rogers was he had home care alright because neither he of us he made a lot of money out of that song about the bloke who was in a wheelchair and shot his wife for whoring <laughs> it around town since neither of us are care enough to google it if someone listening can go ahead and google what he died from and message us and we'll read it in the next episode that'd be great today's big topics what did Kenny Rogers die of and should Ruby don't take your love to town be me too COVID and yes <laughs> All right, new songs on uh, Song of the Week, uh, which you can vote for at uh, didyouamerica.com while you're sending us your Kenny Rogers thoughts. Right. Uh, this week, I'm going to go with a new one by The Bronx, which is called Waltering the Well. Okay, I'm going with Larry June. You got a quick little tangent on this song, though. I've given it the ultimate rap test. I did something that I have not done in my car in a while. I unleashed my subwoofer on the streets of Dallas-Fort Worth on your, the way here. Your car has a subwoofer? Yes, it does. If you not notice, it's completely painted black. It's murdered out. It has black suede aligning the roof. Of course it has a subwoofer, but, you know, rarely do I crank it up. There's Which of your dealers did you buy this car listen, from? Listen, <laughs> oftentimes I've been mistaken for a drug dealer in this car, but there is a rich history of rap music in Texas needing to do one thing and one thing only. And that's the bass needs to slap. But Bay Area rap does the exact same thing. And I've had many arguments with people from the Bay and what slaps harder, Houston rap or Bay Area rap. Now, always, the one good thing Houston has ever done is create rap music that the bass slaps. But I will have to admit, this song You Gotta by Larry June, it passes the test. It is an absolute banger when you say the bass slaps is does that mean if the car pulls up to you next next to you at the stoplights you're gonna hear yes that's exactly what you're gonna hear but it's gonna bang so loud that the inside hairs of your nose are gonna be rattling ever so slightly that the whole time the song plays you're gonna be rubbing your nose like you have a like a booger hanging but there's no booger there that's just the thump my friend The, the thump the thump is it the slap or the thump? It can be whatever you want. Any adjective that makes boom. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm down for that. I'm not the biggest rap fan, but, you know, as this someone... This is the one that's going to turn you and our entire audience, my friend. Uh, well, I'm down for that that music that literally physically moves you. After this podcast, you're coming down to the car. We're going to light up something funky. You're going to get the whole experience, my uh, friend. I, uh, you know, when, uh, when Motorhead was still around... I always love the fact that they would play so loud that the effects that their gig would have on you physically would would go from at the very least you'd feel it in your bones to at the very most you felt like you were having a heart attack like John Bonham on that 16 vodkas for breakfast day <laughs> like during the gig That's like that was the scale of how yeah, I, I like music that moves me do you mean moves you psychologically or moves you like motorhead the best is when like you're standing real close at a concert to where the speakers are and you can feel it in your steps like with every little rattle like you're in a wind like tunnel right exactly that's the best I'll say well see I could be down with that kind of rap you're gonna love yourself so i need June. rap that slaps is that rap, what you're telling me my friend is that yes. the right phrase it is now okay wow see i came into this podcast as the expert on songs about handicapped people in wheelchairs who threaten to kill their hot wives <laughs> if they're going to go shag someone else for that evening and uh by the end of the podcast i've uh, decided that i'm now a fan of rap that slaps there you go um, so yeah, where were we? Oh, New York producer. He wants uh, Life Goes On by Oliver Tree. This was the segment where we told you about um, Song of the Week. It was supposed to be a quick tangent. Well, yeah, but you know, I've learned new things. Look, this show, I t- what did I say at the top of this podcast? It's, it's, it's like an education, isn't it? <sighs> Rap that slaps. There you go. We're basically I'm going to go into... Uh, you know, a record store degree. and go, you got any, got any rap that slaps? They're going to be like, hell yeah, brother. I'm into it now. 
Uh, make sure you sell your copies of Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town before it gets cancelled. Yeah, replace it with Larry June. <laughs> All right. So, Watering the Well by the Bronx, You Got Her by Larry June, or Life Goes On by Oliver Tree. They are the Song of the Week choices. You can vote at didyouamerica.com slash song, or I will have a poll put on my Twitter, and my Twitter, uh, I'm at Ian Canfield on Twitter. All right. So now you know. Um, let's do some music stories uh, before we move on to some other stuff. Uh, did we make the new Morrissey album happen by giving, giving him such extensive coverage on this podcast? You better hope so. Um, after us talking about the fact that he was in The Simpsons uh, and was very upset about it, um, he's now managed to make a whole new album. But since Morrissey has... Uh, exhibited some uh, politically incorrect views. He's now without a record label. So um, he's made an album, and uh, basically he said that it's available for the record label that bids the most, which is kind of ironic by coming from someone who's made so many statements during his career saying he's not for sale. See, right? that's the part I think we made happen. We finally, we were like the straw that broke the camel's back for years. Morrissey was doing cancelable offense after cancelable offense, and we finally shed a light on it, and with our cosmic powers, made it so nobody wants to work with him, <laughs> except for, of course, cartoonists. Right. So it's called um, Bonfire of Teenagers. Uh, there are some very Morrissey-type song titles. The track listing's been released. Track seven's called My Funeral. Of course. Although there's an uplifting track eight, Diana Dawes. <laughs> oh! Diana, didn't we? Oh, no, I was going to say Diana Dawes parking, but it's Doris Day parking. Aww. He must have misheard. <laughs> he misheard he that misheard it. Doris Day parking is if you get the best parking spot for wherever you're going, the parking spot that's closest to the doors that lead you to whatever it is you're going to, be it a grocery store or a venue or a restaurant. Doris, D D Diana Dawes, I reckon, probably the second best parking spot. I'm starting to think that he listened to the episode where we mentioned him out of hate, and then to hate listen, anticipating that we, of course, would talk more about Morrissey because we are now the Morrissey podcast. He listened to that, got a little bit confused, and made a song about it. Yeah, he's got a song called Ha Ha Harlem. Uh, track five, I Live in Oblivion. <laughs> that's, um, that's officially the most Morrissey title ever. Right. Well, he did have a song years ago called Life is a Pigsty. I think that might that might <laughs> yep, be that the most the Morrissey <laughs> the most Morrissey Pun intended. Uh, he loves taking cake. Song. <laughs> As per Fat Morrissey in The Simpsons. What I would be interested in is uh so he's made this album. He hasn't got a record deal because no one wants to sign him because uh, all the music industry think that he's a racist now. Uh, now, sometimes record labels will get involved with the artist and give some pointers as to what they could do as, as, as better. Would it be amusing if a record label went to Morrissey and goes, listen, we like the album. It's 11 songs. It could do with 12 songs. We'll sign you, but only if you cover the song that the Simpsons did that was meant to sound <laughs> like you. Oh, no. <laughs> that would, the, that's what would make him retire from music. <laughs> I would, uh, I w if I was a record label, I would send that to his people just to get the response and then publish right. it. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, you don't need to watch the whole Simpsons episode. It's all over uh, YouTube. So Be Benedict Cumberbatch played the part of Morrissey and there's a song in the episode. It's called something like... Um, Everyone's vulgar except me and possibly you. It's, it's called something <laughs> so like that. Right, exactly, right? Everyone's vulgar except me and possibly you, I think, sits very well on an album alongside songs like I Live in Oblivion and My Funeral. All three of those sound like they make emo kids cry. Uh, now, in uh, news of other stuff from the music world um, that we absolutely made happen, Oasis are releasing a Best of the 2000s album. Now, I have said on this podcast many times before, and I've got a lot of American friends who talk about Oasis as if they're the best band ever. And again, being America's biggest fan, but being subjected to Shitsville during the Oasis peak in the 90s. I was a kid who couldn't move for Oasis, Blur, Pulp, um, what were some others? Menswear, Cooler Shaker, all of these crappy Britpop bands that were like all the rage. 
Meanwhile, I'm looking over to a proper country and you've got Pearl Jam, right. Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Where do you think I would have preferred to have been? I, uh, yeah, I kind of side with you. I never, we've talked about this before. I have no issues with Oasis. I do like a lot of their music, but I never really understood the, the high amount of praise. I mean, sometimes they get compared to the Beatles, which is just absurd. I saw an article, it was a, a few years back when it was like, the 50th anniversary of something and they were voted like the the number one album from the uk of all time over sergeant pepper i think that's because if you say something enough you can make it true i think they get compared to the beatles because they compared themselves to the beatles <laughs> right. like the clo in reality the closest they ever got to the beatles was uh of several years ago liam gallagher had the idea that he wanted to move into the dakota building in new york right. where where um John Lennon lived. And this was like a big news story in the sun. He was gonna go live out his ultimate Beatles fantasy, move to New York and live in the Dakota building. And I, I'm pretty certain that then he discovered that you have to have uh, quite a number of references from people already in, in the Dakota building to enable you to move in. It, it might be an apartment building, but it's almost like an elite club. Right. And Yoko still lives there. And she probably took one look at him and went, fuck off, you ain't coming in. I'm the only person with English ties here, my friend. <laughs> right, but, but. This album proves everything I've said about Oasis. First two Oasis albums, good albums. They might even be great. As I've constantly said, everything that came after Morning Glory, if you took the best songs from all of the Oasis albums after Morning Glory, you might have enough good songs to make a good album. And now I give you the Oasis best of the 2000s. That's, this is the album that they're making. I told you when you sent me this story, this makes a lot of sense because, you know, we always joke about our cosmic powers and every once in a while I'll say something like, oh, Celebrity X clearly listened to this episode. I've never been more convinced that both Gallagher brothers are definitely listening to this podcast because you know them of all people have intense internet searches for anything that mentions their name and we definitely have mentioned their name before. I, I, I do uh, kind of like the enthusiasm of Oasis fans though because on that latter day stuff where the material, and it's not like a band have a peak and then they're still pretty good but you know all bands have their best albums. Oasis, there's such a sharp drop in quality after those first two right. albums. Uh, not As I said, there are individual songs that are good. This Best of the 2000s will be a, a good album, but as, as albums in full after Morning Glory, um, I don't think that's the case. But I do kind of admire Oasis fans because they're so dedicated to the calls. If I Because I like to pick fights with them about the latter-day Oasis, and they'll go like, no, no, you need to listen to Standing on the Shoulder of Giants again because track three on side one. And the way that they say it, I know they've spent so much time alone in a room with that album or whatever latter-day Oasis album we're arguing about, playing some shit song that Liam wrote, because that was another problem with Oasis. The first couple of albums are all written by Noel Gallagher, right. and then I presume it was some sort of contractual agreement. They started sharing some songwriting credits because other members of the band started writing material, and that diluted it. But those Oasis fans are so dedicated to the calls. They've spent a considerable amount of time in their room listening to one of these shit albums going, no, it is good. I do like the Liam Gallagher penned song, the lyrics of which are like a fucking five-year-old speak and spell book. It is good. I'm learning deep, meaningful things from a song, the lyrics of which read like the fucking cat in the hat and the, and the music is just a rip off of some Beatles track. Well, if you think those people are insufferable now, just wait because it's about to get a whole lot worse. I have a theory and that is uh, Oasis is maybe six months away from announcing a reunion. I see a story about Oasis once a week about like a rumor of tensions being eased or this one made this comment just a few weeks ago one of them in re reply to what the other brother said said he would do a oasis reunion tour for free and you know for years their comments about each other were always so contentious mm. and now it almost just seems like they're in on the joke and each 
shitty comment is kind of done playfully and it just seems like you know with all the money that's being thrown into reunions and you know they've had the discussions mm. they recently teamed up to make a production company to do a documentary oh nebworth yeah it's all it's lining up they are going the pigs are about to be flying i because uh, they will be doing i guarantee it money down on the table i will put a thousand on it by the end of 2021 an oasis reunion tour will be announced i disagree with the timing i agree with everything else i think the thing with oasis is the longer they don't do it the more money there is in it because it's almost, I mean, I, I still think there's good new music around at the moment, but just because of the way music is released and where modern media is, you don't have, there are so few huge bands that are younger, right? Bands, sure. that, the, the bigger bands at the moment that are at the younger, in the younger age range, they're just not as huge as the big bands of old. For and that, sure. that's, that's just because of the way music's distributed and the fact that there's way more stuff that kids are into, right? Um, so the, but Oasis were at the tail end of a big band being absolutely ridiculously huge, which is this documentary that you refer. Right, that, that's, right. I forget how many people they played to over two nights at Nebworth, but it's an obscene amount, right? And, either, and that's like 20, 25 years ago. But back then, they're at the tail end of being from a probably the last generation where a big band was an insanely huge band. So the longer they wait to not reunite, the smaller bands become the less money they make the more money there's going to be to offer them to go out and do a big worldwide tour because there's less kind of like competition because the real old bands are dying and the younger yeah. bands have never been have never been big enough the only the only reason i disagree is right now it seems like in media and this has definitely been for the last five years or so we're in a nostalgia bubble. Mm. You know what I mean? Everything is, that's why you see all these reboots, all these sequels. Everyone's taking the ideas from the past. But eventually, you have to assume that that's going to be tapped out. So while it might not be in a year, it might not be in five years, if I'm Oasis, if I'm the Gallagher brothers, I'm saying, hey, let's get it now. When concerts are about to come back for the first time in a year, mm. what better way to make the ultimate profit than announcing a multi-country tour right in October. I think the other thing with the Oasis reunion, the reason why it's inevitable is because the problems are solvable if you keep the brothers apart, apart from when they're on stage. And, and now because of COVID, they have to be at least six <laughs> feet apart. And, and We do one of those glass partitions between them. And someone says to Liam, just stop being a fucking dick. And surely stop being a fucking dick must be advice that it's easier to understand and adhere to when you're almost fucking 50. That could be their next album. Stop being a fucking dick. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think of, I saw today that Guns N' Roses have announced another huge tour. Yeah, 14 cities added. Right. Now, that, you know, Slash Duff and Axel as the core of that band... Uh, got back together in what 2014 2015 I think it was around then yeah they've done so many shows and the re they haven't the only thing they haven't done is release new music and I don't think that's because they haven't got any I think that's because to my point earlier releasing new music now is such a throwaway thing that because it's it would be such a big thing for that lineup of Guns N' Roses to release new music. They just kind of haven't figured out the best way to do it, to make it as big a thing as it, you know, as as it needs to be. But they've done everything else. They've done all these shows. They've headline festivals. They, they, they're they playing stadiums. And it's not so much... I think that, that, that the fact that Guns N' Roses got back together and it's lasted for this long and it's been this good means that pretty much any other band with band members who no longer get along can get it together because for all of the issues that Axl Rose had when he was doing his version of Guns N' Roses and before the original lineup split in the first place with his voice going and the going on stage at midnight and the walking off halfway through shows and all of this stuff that made him at times a terrible entertainer and a very reliable booking. Something happened when they got back together and no one knows what it is, but none of that's happened since. He hasn't been late, he sounded decent, 
The shows have been good. Really? The show, shows. You don't, you don't know what it is? It's money. The amount of that, that has, that's why all these comebacks have happened. That's why I'm saying always that money is what brought ACDC back together. Right. Money is what made the Robinson brothers do Counting Crows again. Heck, money is why John Frusciante is back in the Red Hot Right, right, right. no, no, no. The Gallagher brothers are not above that. No, 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 no. I agree that uh, money makes the world go round and everyone sells out for money even if they protest that they don't. But what I'm saying is, is that, so, and Axl Rose, I think, was definitely in a situation where he needed the money. If you look at what his hired hands version of Guns N' Roses was doing before he got back with Slash and Duff, right. they were doing Vegas residences. And he'll never admit it, but that will be because he'd literally toured everywhere else so many times with a lineup that people were bored of seeing that the only thing left to bring in income, having done a lot of bad shows and unreliable stage times and stuff, the only thing left to do was to go and do a Vegas residency. So yes, you are correct with money, but I say that with Axl Rose, there are so many... Let's just call them psychological issues because that, <laughs> right. that's, that's what they are. Money <laughs> can't ma- right. Money can't fix them. Money puts him back in the same room yeah, as Slash. You're right. Money makes him decide, okay, I'll let the guitarist everyone wants to see me play with back on stage. Give him the hat. Right, right, exactly. But money, money doesn't make his voice better unless there's some amazing voice doctor that no one could afford and suddenly Axel's been to see him. And I don't think that money, at least over this long period of time, makes Axel suddenly able to tell the time. And here's an interesting thing. If you read any, Axel doesn't do any interviews, but Slash and Duff do loads, right? right. <clears throat> and obviously they get asked about the Guns N' Roses thing. And it must be, I'm sure everyone signed non-disclosure agreements, and this is part of the, the reason they've kept it together. They will not talk about any of the behind-the-scenes working of how that band now functions. And that is a new thing since they got back together. They all told a million stories about Guns N' Roses, you know, in the, uh, the, the first version of the band, or from Appetite for Destruction through to right. Use Your Illusion. They won't tell you anything and interviewers will sit with slash and i've done a lot of interviews with slash he's very easygoing and very forthcoming you could sit with him now and go so every show you've done i don't know a hundred and let's say they've done 200 shows across the last five years every show started on time and slash will just go yep and the interviewer will go, how have you managed to get Axel on stage? He goes, we just do. Next question, like, no one, no one will go into the inner workings of Here's that. Here's a conspiracy for you. Hologram Axel. <laughs> Clearly that's what's going on here. I, you know what? I actually do think... I think if it was Hologram Axel, they'd have given him better hair than he's got now. All I know is Hologram Axel sounds like an awesome band name. <laughs> However, you know, I'm, I'm not a mathetologist, sure. But I think we can come up with what we've just discussed, the perfect equation for what this is. Money plus time. All these people who are now not less angry and able to do things have aged quite considerably Mm. out of their anger. Money plus time equals nostalgia. It's as simple as that. When you add the absurd amounts of money that they're now making that they know they have lost out on over the last right. 20 years, you take that, you add the time, it makes it it's so much easier to ease up. Sure, the Gallaghers are young, but they're Younger. getting old. They're getting old. And it's I'm telling you, by the end of 2021, you're going to look out that window right there. You're going to be like, holy fucking shit, there's a pig flying. I thought you were going to say, I was going to look out my window and see them performing. I was going to say, I know they weren't the biggest in uh, America, but I think that the Oasis is slightly bigger than they could play a bigger venue than my swimming pool. It's both of them, <laughs> say anything style, with uh, boom boxes above their heads playing a song from one of the albums imagine, that you hate. Imagine if my, um, <laughs> my apartment complex sent around an email going, hey, we're having a pool party this Saturday, Oasis are playing. <laughs> <laughs> They're going <laughs> to <laughs> they're going to play all of Standing on the Shoulder of Giants in full just for Ian. Right. They're not playing instruments. They're just <laughs> playing the songs on the boombox above their heads. <laughs> and uh, one more thing before we go um, regarding uh, musicians who are uh, 
very uh, well, musicians who don't get along and people that have been very angry. And, I, and I, I've got to commend Roger Waters on this. Now, let me tell you, Roger Waters is absolutely my favorite champagne socialist. Yeah. I disagree with pretty much everything Roger Waters says politically, but I'm absolutely fine with it because he says it with so much passion and anger. And he's a man who's almost 80 and he's just so angry about it. Uh, I've always kind of admired that. And um, today... He's put this uh, statement on his website because Pink Floyd are reissuing uh, their 1977 album, Animals. And uh, if you don't know that the backstory with Pink Floyd, uh, they had a big falling out in the 80s because Roger Waters decided that he didn't want to do Pink Floyd anymore. And Pink Floyd decided, well, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it without you. And then they went to court and there was a, a big falling out. <clears throat> and in the years since, more recently, Roger Waters and uh, Dave Gilmore who are kind of like the two main members who are always at odds with one another. They've gone through periods of sort of getting along and um, having not got along for a very long period of time. And during the sort of getting along periods, that one would occasionally perform a song at one of the other one's shows. And in interviews, they say things like, well, we're not best friends, but we were never really friends in the band. But everything's cordial now. Again, yeah, money plus time. Well, yeah. Just their, their time has wavered quite a bit. Here's my point with the time. I think all of that really, the, yeah, we're doing, we get on kind of all right now was actually bullshit because Roger Waters is now so vitriolic again towards Dave Gilmore. And I think it's because they're both now in their late 70s. So Roger Waters has decided there's no way at this point we're ever going to work together creatively again because we're both nearly 80. So fuck it. I'm going to say absolutely everything that I think. And he is so vitriolic now. His latest thing, I love this, is the reissue of Animals was supposed to come out two years ago. It's like a remix, remastered yeah, yeah. thing. And everyone was agreed on the new sound of the album, the, the remaster. But according to Roger Waters, Dave Gilmore had problems with updated liner notes on the album because the liner notes basically said that Roger Waters did all the work. <laughs> I right? did everything. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> so Roger Waters, his rebuttal to that is, all right, I've agreed for the album to be re-released because so-and-so's done a great job of the remixing and remastering, but the only way it was going to come out is if we didn't have the new liner notes. So fuck you, Gilmore. I'm publishing the liner notes on my website instead. Oh, no. and, they, and then at the bottom of this I did everything statement about animals, he's tagged onto it. By the way, Gilmore, during COVID, I spent a year writing my memoirs and there's going to be a whole load of extra stuff from this coming. And then he's attached a couple of paragraphs from his memoir saying, in 1980-something or other, Dave Gilmore claims that he did blah, 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 blah when we had the cash register sound effects at the start of Money. Actually, I recorded those cash <laughs> registers sound of it, and it's so. And I was like, "Oh God, this is just Let's like just the, take everything that says Gilmore and cross it out and write Waters." <laughs> in the state, he's actually re-edited the what were going to be the liner notes for Animals. So even though the journalist that wrote them is basically writing it as if Roger Waters did most of the work, which I think he probably did do for the Animals album, but he's re-edited it so it'll say. Um, uh, when they were working on the so-and-so album, uh, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, and then Roger Waters has put in uh, brackets afterwards, lyrics by me. Sorry, couldn't resist adding that. <laughs> you, you know what I love about this story? It shows you that regardless of who you were in your younger days, you know whether you were the buttoned-up businessman conservative or the free-wielding, drug-using hippie, no matter what, when you get old, you will turn into a curmudgeon. Oh, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's David Crosby versus Neil Young, if it's if it's Keith Richards versus Mick Jagger, or if it's David Gilmer versus Roger Waters, you are going to fight like there is no tomorrow. You have hit the nail on the head. Roger Waters has turned into the musical equivalent of Walt Kowalski, the Clint Eastwood character from Gran Torino, <laughs> right? Like you can every old rock star he's, he's got a house like in New York State. I can just imagine him sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair, like going. <laughs> 
Fucking fat bastard. That were, they were my sound effects at the start of Money. How dare he say this? I'm going to go beat up these teenagers. <laughs> I just love it. And I also know for a fact, this is how, how much uh, Roger Waters has decided, right, that's it, I'm going all out. Friend of mine is uh, doing a podcast with a bunch of different rock stars, and they've done an interview with Roger Waters. It's already been recorded, during which he constantly refers to Dave Gilmore as Fatty Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's got to that level. Wow. Fat Dave is a way better name. <laughs> I will say this, though. I, As I said, Roger Waters, my favorite champagne socialist, because I just love the anger. And you can't get away from the fact that Roger Waters has stayed kind of creatively relevant whether or whether he's released it. Like he did that album a couple of years ago. It was produced by the guy who produced Radiohead that was, right. that was really good. Yeah. And he carries on going out doing these massive tours. Meanwhile, Dave Gilmore has grown bald and fat and is posting videos of him singing songs with his fucking grandkids. Have you seen any yeah. of those? I saw one where I think he was singing with a bird. Am I wrong? I could have sworn there was one where that maybe that wasn't David. Well, like Gilmore. a singing para. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Hold on. It, I mean, to be it. fair, getting get Dave Gilmore getting his grandkids out to do a fucking jamboree plus the pet is not is not a stretch. I don't think. There's basically a video of a bird on his head, like while he performs. Right. Just so basically being like, I'm the friendly old man. Nothing to see here. Never did one single drug. Didn't make it an acid anthem. He- <laughs> Roger Waters, meanwhile, in lockdown... It was like, I made the acid anthem. <laughs> no, literally, he was doing these great uh, Zoom videos in black and white of, like, modern takes of old Pink Floyd songs that were just really, really good. And you could tell, even though all of his band, his Roger Waters solo band were obviously in different locations on Zoom, you just knew that he was dictating, like, you do this and you do that and right. blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, you go watch fucking Fatty Gilmore, and it's like Gilmore's fucking jamboree, like he's playing at a fucking tent, a tent in a in a circus somewhere. It's just embarrassing in comparison. I I would love to hate Roger Waters, much like you. There are many things I disagree with him with. Um, but he, you know, he's just so talented and so. I mean, first of all, it's impossible for any pothead not to obsess over Dark Side of the right. Moon. That's just a, a druggy kid. A, a, how many times have you played it while watching The Wizard of Oz? A thousand. <laughs> but not only that, I mean, who, what was the name of their Pink Floyd's first singer? The one that died? Sid Barrett. Sid Barrett. It's like the only case where when hipster lovers of the band are like, well, the original sound was better. Everyone on earth could just be like, no, you're wrong. (laughs) You know, like there's nothing better. Pink Floyd got substantially better once Roger Waters joined. Right, 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 right. I remember when he, um, I think it was the tour before last um, because he decided back then that he was going to start taking the credit for everything in Pink Floyd. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so, Even the years he wasn't in it. <laughs> no, 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 no. The I year, invented Sid Barrett. <laughs> well, the years that he wasn't in it, there was a great uh, Rolling Stone uh, a few years ago did an article that was basically Roger Walter's best quotes from the 80s when he was out of Pink Floyd. Right. And they were all just like... So they went carried on being Pink Floyd. And there was a... Um, so that the, they, they went to court and there was this settlement where he agreed that they could continue using the name Pink Floyd and playing the songs but he kept the rights to the wall as a concept and all of the Pink Pink Floyd imagery like the flying pig and stuff and Dave Gilmore I have to say this is a genius move of Gilmore just to get at Roger Waters because they agreed all of this realised that he could carry on flying the pig at the Pink Floyd shows that didn't feature Roger Waters if he changed the sex of the pig. Because <laughs> apparently the pig that's on the cover of Animals, the flying pig right. above the Battersea Power Station in London, that's a female pig, right? And one, so they... So he just added a dong to the pig? So rock, one of the best quotes about from that Rolling Stone article from the 80s on Roger Waters, right, was, <laughs> this is it, word for word. They put balls on my pig, fuck them. <laughs> Why? See, that's my issue with Roger Waters. That should have immediately been his next album title. <laughs> but that tour I was going to tell you about, I think it was the tour before last, uh, was it Oh, it was called Us and Them. I think it, yeah. was, it there was definitely a recent tour. It may or may not have been Us and Them. But let's say it was that tour. The posters said Us and Them by Roger Waters 
then in brackets, the creative genius behind Pink Floyd. Oh my god. He's just, he loves the shots fired, you oh, know? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, now I feel like now they've got to their late 70s and he realizes there's no chance of a reconciliation. Yeah. He's just going all out. They've officially hit old rock stars. There's one example of it doing the opposite, and that's The Who. Everyone else will eventually hate each other and say horrible, horrible things about each other. Yeah. But who just did opposite they started young saying horrible things right yeah they, they didn't know any now different now they're like i guess he's okay he's the only guy i know that's still alive and i think like uh, the other issue that by the way this has been a very long podcast we're going to wrap it up in a second the uh, the other the other thing with uh, that roger Waters has got an issue with is because uh, he allowed dave gilmore to have the rights to the pink floyd name dave gilmore runs the pink floyd website so dave gilmore doesn't do anything interesting because as we said he fucking films himself with his grandkids and a fucking parrot on his head singing morning is broken who needs that whereas roger waters still doing good creative things roger waters is very angry about the fact that dave gilmore won't let roger waters post anything that roger waters is doing on the pink floyd website and that is the dave gilmore equivalent of get off my lawn (laughs) (laughs) both are officially in torino stage (laughs) they really really are so anyway good on you roger i'll say it again you are absolutely my favorite champagne socialist Did we America today? We definitely did. Oh, I should remind you, by the way, digiamerica.com. That's where you can go to to send us any messages. I had some things from some people, um, but we're way out of time. We've gone way over. We'll get to them on uh, Thursday's episode. Digiamerica.com if you want to talk to us or vote for Song of the Week. Ian Canfield on Twitter if you want to vote for Song of the Week. Digiamerica.com if you want to get a T-shirt. Did we America today? Hell yeah, we did.